Are you waiting to follow your dreams or accomplish your goals once you have finally mastered self-control? Do you feel like the only thing stopping you from living the life you want to live is that your self-control doesn't seem to be cooperating? Well, I believe in self-control and the fact that yes, it exists, but I firmly believe from experience and from reading and studying about it that self-control does not do what you think it does for you. If you're like me, self-control just doesn't seem to work in the moments you need it the most. You need alternatives to self-control to live a meaningful, satisfying life. Well, I'm in the same boat and I'm sure more people are in the same boat than you even know. So relax and let's begin living. Finding alternatives to self-control does not mean that all your problems will go away and that you'll feel no resistance when you want to live the life that you want to live. These last three years honestly have been so transformative, but they've been hard. I've been so honest with myself and it has not been easy. I have thought more times than I want to admit I must be crazy, but in reality, either we are all crazy or as experiencing something normal that we just don't talk about very often. It reminds me of the time I was so hungry that I literally convinced myself I had to sign up for therapy again. Like I was beside myself, sad, like wanting to cry, hating everyone, annoyed at everything. And I was like, dang, I really have to sign myself up for therapy again? Like I really thought I had made so much progress and here I am. And then I ate food and I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm better again. I totally forgot about that funny thing called food. Well, Self-control, defined by Google, is the ability to control oneself, in particular to one's emotions and desires. Well, let me say something to you that might blow your mind, but if it doesn't, just act like it does, please. I'm feeling a tad bit sensitive, and it probably has to do with something super embarrassing that happened. I held the door open for this girl, and instead of letting her walk through the door, I also decided... I don't know why I did this, to walk through the door at the same time. And so us and our shoulders and our backpacks were just squished in between the door frame. And it was so awkward because she definitely had the right of way. And I was just like, nope. And I went to, and it was so weird. I was holding the door open for her. I can't even explain it. But anyways, what I really wanted to say was you don't need to control your thoughts, your emotions, or your desires. You actually need to use them to cultivate them. You are a human being with thoughts and feelings and desires. You know this. If you don't know this, you need to probably pay a little bit more attention to yourself. If you listen to these as a dictator, you will be miserable. If your brain or your butt or whatever tells you to eat an entire pan of brownies that you, quote, made for the neighbors, unquote, you would be, you'd be happy, you'd be doped up on these good feelings, and then eventually you'd feel sad, and that's not the life that you want to live. If your heart told you that you should marry this guy, that is like totally a no-no, but you're like, oh, my heart's telling me to do it. I have to. And you married him. And then you're like, oh yeah, this guy's a no-no, but he's like your husband now. Well, then that wouldn't be the life that you wanted to live, even though that's what you wanted in the moment. This one lady told me of this guy she dated. Super hot, like super duper hot, like super thick. He was dark, smooth. He was Italian. And he was also a masseuse. And... I mean, that's the the classic quadruple threat. She was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. This is too good. He was super in love with her. They were talking about their future and he was like, I have this idea for the rest of our life that you could work a full-time job 
and I could stay home, turn our house into like a place where I could do massages. And then she ended the relationship by saying, oh yeah, so I'll be the financial backbone while you rub down ladies in our house all day. I don't think so. And so of course he was hot and she wanted to marry him, but she realized that it wasn't a good idea. A quote that I absolutely love that kind of illustrates this idea or maybe adds a little bit of commentary to it is the quote by Jordan B. Peterson that's, without rules, we quickly become slaves to our passions and there's nothing freeing about that. Well, forget the part about the rules and stuff and focus on the latter half. I love the idea about being a slave to your passions. I totally have experienced that before. I feel like the our culture or society, they totally want us to just be completely free but really you'll just be a slave to your passions. I have a very personal experience with this. So I was struggling with my mindset about food. I had such tight control on it. I decided that I need to let myself or I needed to let myself completely go just because I needed to reset myself. And so I ate whatever I wanted for however long. I don't know how long it was, but it felt like an eternity in hell, literally. But it was probably only like three weeks or like one week. I can't even remember. But it was one of the most miserable times in life besides the weeks after One Direction broke up. Other than that, it was the most miserable time. And I was letting myself eat whatever I wanted, whatever my body craved any single moment. And I don't encourage you to conduct this experiment at all. Like it was literally the worst thing ever. I think you can learn the principles of this without putting yourself in that danger. But at the moment, I didn't know any better, but in the end, it worked out. But it took a ton of work. It took hard work. After experiencing this, I knew two things. I didn't want to go back to the death grip life I had before because it was suffocating. But I also knew that the following my desires in every single moment was straight captivity. So what was I going to do? And I did something scary. I completely ditched self-control and used other methods to live the life that I want to live. It has worked for me, but make no mistake. It has been hard. I haven't even lived a perfect life. I'm still not super amazing at living the life I want to live, but I feel so much better about the process. I don't feel overwhelmingly defeated and I don't hate my goals either. It makes things so much easier even though I'm not perfect. And to build credibility, I didn't spontaneously combust. I'm still alive to tell the tale. And that's how you know, if you ditch self-control and go on to other methods, you're not going to die. Okay, I'll be honest, I've tried everything. I've tried a rigid schedule, talking to myself, making a checklist, bribery, and even putting marbles into a jar to motivate me, which I'll explain later. Any of these things lots of people use to wake up early, exercise, stick to a strict diet, finish your homework, or just about whatever you want to do that you think is going to help you live the life you want to live. Well, spoiler alert to my life story, it didn't do anything but frustrate me. So here's a personal story, and it's funny now, but it was embarrassing then. And I think I've decided that that is going to be the title of my autobiography. Funny now, but it was embarrassing then. I tried to stick to a rigid schedule that promised me happiness, health, energy, all of the above, you know, all my wildest dreams. It really was a, it, it really promised me a lot. And the idea was that you'd put marbles into a jar and every time you, every time you exercise self-control, 
and you did it successfully. So like, say I knew I needed to get up and work out. And if I woke up and I wanted to lie in bed, if I exercise self-control to get out of bed, then I'd put a marble in the jar. And the idea behind this was that it would motivate me and it'd be a physical representation of all the things that I've done, all the times I've exercised self-control. So I was basically training myself to be able to exercise self-control. It was the kind of thing where you like look up on the internet, how can I increase my ability to exercise self-control? That was the idea behind this. And this was the, um, the answer that I got. And instead of having marbles, I only had dried beans. And so I was like, oh, I can use dried beans. Like I'll just look at them and they'll motivate me again. Well, every time I exercise self-control, I put a bean into the jar. And when I didn't exercise self-control successfully, I wouldn't put a bean into the jar. And I'd look at the jar with disgust. And then eventually, over time, I hated my schedule. I wanted to rebel. I hated putting beans into that jar. And it was the worst, so I just stopped. I just gave up. And then months later, someone looked into my room and saw on my nightstand a jar of beans because I had totally forgotten about it. I just hated it, didn't want to touch it, didn't want to pretend like it existed. And they're like, what is that jar of beans doing on your nightstand? And I just shrugged. I was like, no, I'm not going to tell them that's too embarrassing. I can't admit it. And in reality, those were my beans of shame. That was all the times. I don't even know. Like that was just all the times I tried to exercise self-control, but I ended up back where I was in the beginning. It was so frustrating. Well, I come to find out through experience and through a little bit more study that self-control or the mentality behind it can be harmful to your growth. After that experience and many other types of things like that, like trying to kick sweets, whether it's with a chart or a diet app, or trying to stick with a um, a New Year's resolution or some sort of hobby, and you're just like trying to motivate yourself and train your brain to do it, I've experienced so much disappointment with that. And self-control is dangerous because it's an all-or-nothing way of thinking. It's poison to your mind. You're not actually able to train your mind to do it because it's so it's so intense and one-sided and black or white, and life is not like that. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes you're anywhere in between, but self-control, there is no spectrum, and that's why it leads to defeat, and I've felt so defeated before, like to the point where I'm like, why would I even make a goal? Like I'm scared to even make a certain goal about the way I eat or exercise or doing a hobby or schoolwork because I don't see a point. I lived a lifetime of not being able to exercise self-control, and to me, self-control was the only answer there was. And I understand why we think self-control is the only answer because self-control is like this mega church and it has a loyal congregation. And not only is it a congregation, but everyone in there is a preacher. Like if you smoke, drink, overeat, lose your temper, splurge, sleep in late, people will tell you just need self more self-control. I like to think about it like if you're fat and you want to lose weight, some people will be like, well, duh, that's easy. Just don't eat as much. Well, that's like telling someone with cancer, just don't let your cells uncontrollably divide, you silly goose. Like, we know what we need to do, but we just can't quite do it. We need to stop telling each other to do what we know we need to do. It just leads to us not wanting to confide in other people about the things that we're struggling with. And like you can tell from my experience, and I'm not going to like put you on the spot, but you can probably draw this conclusion from your own experiences, is that self-control, oddly enough, makes you hate your goals, makes you hate the vision that you've even drawn for yourself. 
Okay, so jazz hands, I have been successful in achieving a goal before. I ran a half marathon. Woohoo! This is actually the whole reason I started a podcast because I wanted to tell as many people as I can that I ran a half marathon. I know you're impressed and I never got a sticker for it. So this is my other way of telling people I did it. <laughs> no, really, at first I... I thought it would be best to wake up and run right away because I didn't want to let myself miss a day of the training schedule. In reality, I didn't trust myself. I thought if I didn't do it right away, then eventually I would never do it. And I had good intentions with this. It's really cute to me that when I wake up, I usually most often than not feel anxious and disoriented, especially if I have like an uncomfortable or frustrating dream like especially the last two nights I've been having the worst dreams ever and I wake up and I'm like that's just terrible and so I have to chill for a little bit when I wake up but when I forced myself to wake up and run right away deeming that it was the healthiest thing for me to do I started to hate running which running had been like a beacon in my day a good time to meditate but I hated it I hated the morning time which I love mornings and I started to view my runs as just like this terrible thing that I'm forcing myself to do is no longer something that I wanted to do. When I stepped back from that situation, I realized I still wanted to run this half marathon, but I didn't want it to hate it. So I began running when I felt more in my body later in the day. And I started to view my runs again as a great time of the day, an asset to my mood. Instead of taking away my agency and exercising self-control to make myself run when I thought it was the best possible time to run, I started to hate something. But once I recognized who I was, what I needed, I started to work with myself. And then I was able to enjoy my running again. I mean, think about this for yourself. Have you tried sticking to a diet and been successful for a little while? But then the joy you felt from feeling physically well or maybe the new things you could do or maybe you felt so great because you were working out, Maybe that joy was swallowed up by the hatred you had for your life as you followed the diet. Then it leads you to not be happy at all. Then why would you try to better yourself if you hate your life anyways? Then the diet slips away, but then you're unhappy again still. What a vicious cycle. I'm telling you from experience. And now this is pretty radical these ideas that I'm telling to you, but I've had a lifetime of not accepting some ideas, some helpful, some not helpful. I remember when I came to the realization that self-control doesn't work for me, or in other words, it doesn't do what I think it does. When I realized this, it scared me so much and thoughts of becoming obese or lazy or never progressing flashed before my eyes. At that moment in my life, I felt like I didn't hold that, if I didn't hold a death grip on my life, I was sure that it wouldn't go well. I was sure that life would kill me. It is difficult to implement something into your life when you've heard the contrary literally every moment of your life. How many times have you tried to increase your self-control, tried to even exercise it, seek advice, and that's what people tell you? Well, whether it is self-discipline, willpower, control, it is trying to control yourself. Hence, it's self-control. I remember, again, coming to find out that it didn't work for me, and then after I was scared, I was super excited because I was like, okay, this might hurt, but I'm going to do it. And I was so pumped that I went to go tell one of my friends about it. I was literally bursting with excitement. I was so pumped. I ran up to her and I said, guess what? I don't believe in self-control at all. And I had this big old smile on my face. I was so pumped. I was like, oh, I'm about to start a revolution right now. And then she looked at me, not returning my smile at all. 
And she said, easy for you to say, you only eat vegetables. And now I don't really even understand what her response was or what it meant, but needless to say, she wasn't really feeling it. I think she took it in context of food. Like that's easy for you to say you like healthy food, but there's so much more to life than food. I'm not here to force any beliefs upon you. I'm not telling you to believe every word I say blindly, but I am inviting you to let the ideas of this podcast episode be a possibility, especially if you've been doing the same thing over and over and over. Let it be a possibility that self-control does not do what you think it does for you. You don't need to radically change your life right now in this moment. Just let your brain ease into the thought, maybe this could help me. Your thoughts, feelings, desires, impulses, etc., they're all messages. They're not commandments. The lady dating the hot Italian guy, her message was that she values looks. Did she marry a different hot guy? Not sure, but he owns a Tesla, so I'd say he's probably hot, but I've never seen him before. Okay, so you want to eat an entire pan of Curadelli brownies? It is just a message that you love sweets, obviously. You aren't a serial killer. Glad that isn't popular anymore. We left those in the 80s, thank goodness. Who is completely satisfied and fulfilled at the time they feel like they will die if they don't eat an entire pan of brownies? The hard part about these messages is that you have been wiring your brain to listen to them your entire life. The society you live in wires your brain. Your parents, your social media feed, you are wired to receive a message and do what it says. Someone is saying some voodoo magic political nonsense and your brain goes, set him straight, Martha, you gotta. And then your mouth is forming the word fool before you can stop it. That's something you don't even have to think about. It just does it. Your brain does that. But you don't have to fight your desires at all. You're human. You have desires to punch people, flip them off, try to control them, drag them along on guilt trips. You have desires to eat way too much or way too little. You have the desires to avoid confrontation at all costs, or you have the desire to confront at no cost, which is personally terrifying when people do that. But your responsibility as a, the physical entity of your spirit, soul, or intelligence, or you know what I'm trying to say, your body, your physical body, your responsibility is to work with your desires. Most things we deem as bad are actually just good things used incorrectly, like drugs. We need drugs to cure illness, but the chemicals incorrectly used and abused are terrible. And I mean, I don't know much about drugs because the only time I got close to doing drugs is when I like went right over a candle that was burning and I sniffed it so hard. I swear the flame was like swaying side to side and all of a sudden it was like shooting straight into my nostril. And like, I swear, like my nose hairs were singed. Like it was crazy in another dimension, but I'm clean now. And food, food is good. Food is great. It's delish delosh, as they say on the Great British Baking Show. But too much and you're a roly-poly. Your internal experience is actually telling you something. But you are not this puppet on a string that you've trained yourself to be. You're a human being. You got this. You totally do. Imagine your thoughts and desires being on your side. You'd be invincible. But you have to accept one thing in order to for your thoughts and feelings to really work for you and be on your side. And that is this. Thoughts and feelings are just thoughts and feelings. They are not in control of you. They are just messengers. As you live by this concept, you will feel resistant still, but that is just the effort you are putting in to learn how to work with yourself, body, mind, spirit, and all. And it will take some time and practice. I'm not going to lie. It's taken me a while and it's never perfect. It's always a process. 
And I mean, it might take a lifetime to master. Maybe you'll never even get there, but that's okay. It's so much better than living with the death grip of self-control. But you can also feel the benefits soon. Here are some simple tips for recognizing that your thoughts and feelings and sensations are really just that. And keep an open mind as you hear these. They might sound a little cuckoo-cachoo to you, but that's okay. Take it one step at a time. Maybe you don't take any advice in this podcast. Maybe you do. Here are some things that you can do. Tell yourself that it is just a thought. Talk to yourself. It'll make you think twice. I used to like talk to myself when I was a kid and then I was like 12 years old and I was like, okay, Alice, your goal is to not talk to yourself anymore because it's kind of crazy. But I'm talking about talking to yourself in a way that's like, you know, mentally you can do it out loud too, but just make yourself think twice because after you eat an entire plate of brownies or after you're super mean to someone that totally set you off, you're always like, why did I do that? I feel so terrible. If you had felt that way before, then you wouldn't have done it in the first place. So if you talk to yourself, you talk, hey, like this person is so annoying to me right now. Remember, I love people and it's really important for me to be kind to people. That makes you think twice. And that stops that instant reaction that you've wired your brain to do. You can also tell yourself that it is okay to feel anything. I mean, ever think, wonder what happened if I would drive off the highway right now? I mean, people think that all the time. That's like a universal human thought that no one talks about. You can think anything because it doesn't have control over you. The presence or the lack thereof of the thought, wonder what would happen if I drove off the highway, does not play a role in your life. It is not in the driver's seat. Clearly you are, thankfully, and you're not going to drive off the highway. That thought has no power unless you give it power. You can also ask yourself, what does this thought want me to do? Then you realize that this thought is just a message. I have done this super cool thought exercise when I can't figure out what my thought is trying to get me to do. And I feel kind of conflicted. I'm like, man, what is going on inside of me? And what does it want me to do? Why do I feel so stuck right now? And the thought work goes like this. Close your eyes, you know, focus on your breathing so you can kind of get zen, you know. And I imagine myself in a clover field. And there are two versions of me. One of them, she's blonde and she's the good one. And there's a brunette version of me and she's evil, but she's still hot. And they have a conversation with each other. The blonde asks, what do you want? And the brunette usually says something like, punish yourself or don't go to that party because no one likes you anyways. The conversation doesn't stop there, though. As a blonde stays curious, the brunette eventually confesses a difficulty or an insecurity. Then they can reconcile. For example... The brunette might say eventually, well, I feel anxious and I just don't want to see you face rejection. Then the blonde, righteous, pure version of myself can let the brunette, evil lady, know that rejection is hard, but that it is worth it because friends make your life so much more meaningful and worthwhile. And so that's kind of like a silly example. And like, I'm pretty sure no one else does that thought exercise that way. Like, it's a pretty common thought exercise, but for me, it's like me versus me, blonde versus brunette. But it has really helped. Maybe you're not really having a thought or a feeling at the moment. What you're experiencing is a physical sensation. And so you can ask yourself, what is this heaviness in my chest telling me? Or what is this pit in my throat? Or what is this, like, stress-induced headache telling me? What are my shaky legs telling me? Then, once you find out what it's telling you, you should ask yourself, should I do it? When I feel anxious, my brain is like, I am speed, one winner, 42 losers, I eat losers for breakfast. And then I start like running into walls and stuff. And like, I just go crazy, like maximum overdrive, like cannot even keep up with my brain. 
And then I'm able to ask myself like, hey, babe, what's the matter? And then I find out, oh, you're stressed. Why? Oh, you need to talk to someone about something that is really hard and confrontation is really hard. But it is important for your relationship to let them know that they shouldn't talk about you like that to other people. And so once you come in contact and you understand your physical sensation and what it's telling you about your circumstance, then you're able to work through it. And then eventually you can have that conversation that you really need to have with someone because that relationship is more important than you feeling uncomfortable. It is interesting that the better thing isn't always the easier thing. Honestly, you guys, this takes so much practice, but nothing worthwhile comes easy except for the emails about winning a free iPad. If you answer a question, give them your social security number, good things do come. Your thoughts, feelings, sensations, desires, impulses will give you a seemingly urgent message. They'll show up at your door and be like, do something about it now, right now. The opportunity is now. And you can decode it to find something that will help you live a more meaningful life. Here's some examples to paint a picture. Through this experience that your political views support things that make your life so meaningful. She's frustrating me. It's making me so angry. She's saying X, Y, and Z about this subject. You notice those feelings in you and then you're able to realize, hey, it looks like I really care about that. Let's explore that a little bit. Why do I care about that? And because I care about that so much, what thing can I do that's proactive that can help support my values? Is there somewhere I can donate money to this cause? A place where I can, you know, help anything that you can take this thought or this feeling that is so uncomfortable and you can reshape it to work for you. All of a sudden, instead of getting mad at Nancy, you realize you found something that's important to you and it can really set you off on this path that can help you live a life that is so much more satisfying than getting mad at her because one of your values is probably being kind to people. You want to be kind to her, but you also want to be proactive about your own beliefs. So go out and do something. Donate some money or donate some service. Here's another example. If you're trying to lose weight and you feel an intense craving to eat in your everything in your pantry, well, this is the perfect example. And I feel like a lot of us have felt this before. You're being told by your bored, stiff brain that it is unsatisfying. It needs a hit of something. That tells your brain actually not to eat a ton of food or not to control yourself more. It tells your brain that you need to start a new hobby, find a new job, or reach out to a friend. Do something that makes your life more meaningful. When you feel like something is missing and your brain goes, oh, food, food, that one's always worked for you. You spend so much of your time trying to fight the desire when you completely neglect the real issue. Maybe you're unsatisfied with your life in one way or another. And so as you come to really get curious about your thoughts, feelings, and sensations, they're telling you to do stuff that in the end will bring you more satisfaction and you'll live the life that you want to live. Another common situation is your phone. Oh, beautiful, wonderful, stupid phone. I always think it is funny when middle-aged adults say, I'm glad I didn't grow up with that technology as if 12 hours on Candy Crush and Facebook in one day doesn't affect them like it would affect them if they're younger. Like, come on, it still affects you people. But basically, phones are attractive. They have a pull. No need to fight the urge to go on your phone. Instead, if you feel like you absolutely must go on your phone, this is an opportunity to ask yourself what is missing. 
you wouldn't feel compelled to be on your phone and refreshing a feed that is already up to date if you were engaged in a meaningful cause. I mean, it's really hard though, because a meaningful cause takes more effort than just picking up your phone and playing a game or scrolling, but again, worth it. And in the end, this is all easier said than done, but as I've said before, it is easier done now that it has been said. There's power in saying things and being aware of things. It will be difficult, but ignorance is only bliss if you want to live as a product of your circumstances. Try something new. Even if you fail, I hope you try it out. I hope you let yourself do it at least once. Worst case scenario, you live a little more than you're comfortable with. Maybe you can try it twice if you're feeling wild. And if you're not convinced it is for you, then more power to you. We need more people that question the information they're given. But if you feel stuck, if you feel like you've been trying the same thing over and over again, and you feel like maybe one more stab at self-control will do me some good, well, maybe just try what's been talked about in this podcast. You can always re-listen to it. I mean, I need more viewers anyways, but if you feel like your issue is bigger than this, bigger than the things we talked about, well, I respect your uniqueness. I respect that you have your best interests at heart and you know yourself better than I do. I just hope that you'd be open to this. Do you think maybe it can help me just a little? And I hope you all the best on this journey we call life. Well, this podcast is coming to an end, so let's begin living.